Here's the season action sequence. And I'm what gonna, are you I'm, doing? I'm going to put them down in random that's, kind of order but here. that's the wrong style. No, no, no. I'm, you don't understand, Celeste. I'm going to reveal them now that I've placed oh. them in order. All right. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. In order, we have Lookout. We have Ocean. We have River. We have Valley. We have Forest. We have Ooh, that's new. Vista, Mountain, Ooh. and Wildlife. Ah, oh, the wild's at the end. Here we go. Everything season three. Wild at the Welcome to Which Game First, where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we unearth any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up, we show the werewolves how bland our village can taste in silver. Next, we hike the trail to create beautiful memories in parks. And lastly, we gain ground while losing our inhibitions in Guelph. I'm your host, Celeste DeAngelis. Now let's meet the rest of our brave and intrepid game explorers. Hello, I'm Evan Bernstein, and I'm ready for yet another new decade of gaming. I'm Ed Povolaitis, and I resolve to play 10% more games this year. How, how can that even happen? <laughs> uh, I'm Mike Grenier, and my New Year's resolution is to help clean up after 7% more games this year. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm falling behind if Ed plays 10% more games and I play with him and I only clean up 7% more. Yeah, but 7% of zero is still zero. <laughs> True. That's an easy resolution. I'm st- I got it. Consider it accomplished. <laughs> Already done. Hey, listeners, the holidays are over, but we still have so many gifts to give you. Brace yourself for contests with mind-blowing prizes. And get ready for us to start rolling out lots more video goodness on our YouTube channel. Join us for more fun and exciting panels at upcoming conventions. And of course, in 2020, if you can like us, rate us, review us, heart us, star us, mention us anywhere it really helps others find the show thanks for helping us grow we're looking forward to an awesome 2020 with you Woohoo! our first game up this week is silver designed by ted alsbach published by bezier games in 2019 number of players two to four ages 14 and up playtime 45 minutes okay when we oddly found this game at the end of the rainbow what were our first thoughts ed our village is infested with werewolves again? I hope it's not some myth created by Big Silver. Evan? So the idea is to come in second place? You know, silver? <laughs> <laughs> Mike? Why do werewolves think vampires are tasty? Is this just going to be werewolf in card form? I hope not. But before we sink our teeth into this review, Evan, tell us how it's played. In silver... Your village has been overrun by savage werewolves, which are represented by the number on each of the cards that make up your village. To get rid of these fanged fiends faster than the neighboring villages, you use resident special abilities and your powerful secret weapon, a silver amulet. On your turn, draw the top card of the deck or the discard pile, then discard the card and possibly trigger its power, or use it to replace one or more of your cards. Call for a vote when you think you have the fewest werewolves, but be careful. Everyone else gets one more turn to save their own village first. After four rounds, the village with the fewest werewolves wins. Oh! <laughs> 
Yeah, so I don't know if it was really clear yet, but this is definitely a memory game. Where oh, you yeah. Have, oh, it's a memory game. Yeah, five uh, face-down st- villagers, so you don't even know who's in your own village when you first start. Well, you get to pick at two of them, and which one do you pick up to you, and then you have to remember what they were. You have to remember which ones you peeked at. <laughs> exactly. Which, uh, for me, memory games are really tricky sometimes because I'm trying to have fun and pay attention to what everybody else is doing. And then I'm like, oh, no, what, which ones do I have here in front of me? Got to keep a sharp mind with this game. Yeah. And I like the bluffing element to this because that's why sometimes I'll look at different cards in my row, not necessarily the first two, just so other people are wondering, which one did he look at again? Did he like those or did he not like those? Yeah, I did look at the first two cards now that you mention it. Well, it's easy to remember the first two cards because if you try to remember blank, blank, six, three, blank, <laughs> it's a lot harder <laughs> yeah, than six, true. three, blank, blank, blank. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the positioning of the cards helps a lot with memory. If I always look at the person's most right-hand card when I'm looking, then I remember where it is. Mm-hmm. So just... That was a huge help for me, was remember it was just using the same positions for everybody when I picked at their cards. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you pay attention to people's body language and stuff, too, you can get a lot of information. So you might want to see something that they were trying to bluff about, maybe. Like, they look at their second card. Like, Ed did this thing where he was like, oh, oh before he put the card back down. I was trying to do an overreaction for each one just to fake everybody out. So I try to make every card awesome or interesting. Yeah, right, exactly. That's a, that's a good technique. When you can't keep a poker face, make everything insane. It's also important to watch what cards your opponents are discarding. You can kind of get a sense as to how well off or not well off their their village is at any given moment. If they're discarding 10s and 11s, which are some high cards, all right, they've got some bad, you know, they probably have some bad cards in it. But they start discarding things like 5s or 4s. Then you know they're already down to some pretty low cards and you better get your village in order quickly. Mm-hmm. This game is ripe for my kind of greed where I'm like, I can do a little bit better. If you don't call for the vote early enough, if you just try to get your village to be perfect, you're going to lose in this game. Yeah, you got to find the right moment to trigger it. And it's kind of interesting how, you know, there are special abilities on a card. Sometimes you're going to discard it just to trigger its abilities. Mm-hmm. Even though it maybe is a good card for you to keep, but the ability will help you more, you think. Yeah, some of the cards are triggered when you take them from the deck on your turn and discard them. Other cards actually have like a more permanent effect if you can find a way to flip them face up in your village. Of course, a face up card in your village gives everybody the opportunity to try to get rid of it if it's a good one. Yep. Or uh, they know what you have. It's no longer hidden information. Mm -hmm. I had a little bit of trouble enjoying this game because I felt the random factor of drawing these cards was too much chance for mm. for a game like this. You're rewarded by remembering things, but then you're totally at the mercy of the card you draw for what you can look at. Yeah, the luck of the draw factor in this game is very high, actually, because it's not like you're drawing three cards and choosing the best one. You're looking at just that top card, whatever it happens to be, or the top card of the discard pile, whatever that happens to be. So Ed and I could be both just as diligent at memorizing all the cards but if ed simply takes that chance of switching out his card blind near the end and so do i it's just whoever pulled the better card Mm -hmm. that's going to win the hand or happen to discard 
the blind card that would work. So you could blindly discard a card that would accidentally uh, better than the one you had to do. And that's what happened to me. I blindly threw out a lower card, and Ed blindly drew out the highest card. Yeah, not quite. The There's a 13. I, I blindly got rid of a 12, though. And, pe- and pulled a 2 or a 1 or something? Zero. So. No, it was a 0. I switched a 12 for a 0 by luck right after Evan called for a vote. It was beautiful. I called for the vote, and then Ed dumped 12 points out of his hand to grab the win. Yeah. He won by like two points that round or something like that. Yeah, it was close. Those 12 points definitely more than made up the difference. No, and this was after I had already... Okay, I finally saw all the cards in my hand. I discarded down from five villagers down to four, which allowed me to trigger the whole voting mechanism. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm set pretty here. I got nine total points in my hand. Nobody's going to beat me. And then Ed gets the lucky last draw. Ed, Ed goes next. All right, so you discard. So now- that's activating that power. Yes. Activating this power. I can view one card of an opponent. I choose this card. I don't even know what that card is yet. <gasps> Good bluff, Ed. Whatever it is, it's Ed exciting. Right, so now he turns over. That's it. So I'm going to draw that turns over. from the top. And you I'm view one of your cards, Ed. The Ed show. I kept yeah. drawing nines, which, which when you discard them lets you peek at somebody else's cards, but... Peeking at somebody else's cards and having a terrible village doesn't really help you that much. You need to get lower cards in your village if you want to win. True. Yeah, it makes me feel like all that work to protect my village, I could still end up with a random werewolf anyway. You know, so, some guy could come tear through the town just because one scriptwriter felt like doing it for Sweeps Week. <laughs> <laughs> the luck of the draw is big here, kind of like almost like hearts in a way. You got to hope you get the right cards and... If you don't get the right cards, you're going to have a crappy day anyway. Well, I feel like hearts definitely reward skill a little bit more than this game. Yeah, and there's no shoot the moon in this game. Mike, you bring up an excellent point. There's no opportunity to switch your strategy based on what you draw. There is a mechanic in the game where you can get rid of multiple cards as long as the cards that you have all match that you're trying to get rid of. The trick is remembering that you have three nines and what positions they're in. Because if you discard... The wrong cards that don't match each other, you take them all back and put them into your village. Oops. I've actually, in one of the games I played with Mike, I took a 12 and actually put it in my hand because I knew I had two other 12 that I can ditch. That is one of the ways that it rewards your memory. Mm-hmm. But it still requires you to have the opportunity to look at your cards, which again yeah. is luck of the draw. You have to get cards that allow you to look at your cards. Yeah, there's no default way to look at your hand except for that starting round where you look at two of your cards of your choice in the beginning. Okay, everybody, it's time to dig up or bury silver. Evan? It's a little bit of card counting, a little bit of memorization, a little bit of strategy, and a good amount of luck. But I think it's a good blend. Dig it up. Ed? The card variety presents different opportunities each time you play. I'll dig it up as a fast warm-up game. Mike? It gives me some opportunities for deduction and bluffing, which are things that I love in a game. It's easy to learn and set up, so I say dig it up. For a game that asks me to work to memorize things, it had too much luck in it for me. So I'm going to have to bury it. Mike, where can you find this game? Silver Amulet and the standalone expansion for Silver Bullet are in stores now for about 25 bucks. If you have thoughts about Silver, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We would love to hear from you. 
Our next game up this week is Parks, designed by Henry Autobahn, published by Keymaster Games in 2019. Number of players 1 to 5, ages 10 and up, playtime 30 to 60 minutes. Okay, when we found this game left behind by the previous Everest expedition, what were our first <laughs> thoughts? Evan? Oh, I know all about parks and games. There's Park Place, Free Parking, Parker Brothers, <laughs> Park Cheesy. Mike? Is this game actually going to be a walk in the park? Ed? Ooh, we get to visit the parks and do some camping? I might stay too long just to enjoy the view. Just looking at the art on this beautiful board game makes me want to pack for a hike through Yosemite. But before we unpack this review, Evan, tell us how it's played. In parks, players take the role of two hikers as they trek across different trails. These hikers will take actions and collect memories of the places they visit, represented by various resource tokens. Players can trade in sets of these tokens to visit a national park at the end of each trail. Each season, the trails will change and grow steadily longer as the trail tiles are shuffled and laid out anew. Campfires allow you to share a space and time with other hikers. Canteens and gear can also be used to improve your access to resources throughout the game. The player with the most points after four seasons is the winner of Parks. So let me get this straight. Um, mm -hmm. It sounds like y your memories of your hike are currency in the game? Yeah. That's right, yes. They can act as victory points, that's right. So you're trading your stories about like, I saw a cute squirrel and here's like the squirrel token or whatever. It's almost like you're sharing your stories because one of the benefits you can use is the camera that gives you extra victory points. So imagine it like you're taking pictures and you're sharing them. So just building your collection of sweet experiences you got at the parks. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. I love the theme of this game and boy, did it heavily inform play. It was beautiful. Ed, what kind of game would you call this? It's a shot collection and resource management game. Yeah, definitely resource management. They blend very nicely. So is a campfire something that like happens every round or something, or is it something that you have to get? Well, everybody starts with one campfire token. It's a resource you can use once per hiker on a trip. And what it allows you to do is land on the same base as another hiker, even one of your own. You can spend time in the same place because you are resourceful enough to make your own camp uh -huh. kind of thing. Otherwise, you would have to skip that space. Oh, right. So it's like a resource blocking kind of situation where you want to get the thing that's on that space and use your campfire to go there. Correct. If it's occupied by another player, that's right. And I was just telling you thematically what it meant, you know, oh, cool. so it, it allows you to build a story very nicely. You know, I was able to imagine myself marching through these parks and doing these things really, really well. And there's a little bit of action selection in a way, Mikey, because mm -hmm. the, the trail consists of a few different tiles. And it's a little bit random which ones get mixed in there. And okay. you have two action meeples. And when you move your guy to a space, you get to take that tile's action, which might be, oh, I get to take a wildlife token, which are wild tokens. Or maybe I visited the mountains, which allows me to take a mountain token. So are most of the spaces actions taking a token, or is there some other kinds of actions that you can take when you land on a space? There are other ones. Most of them are tokens, but some allow you different actions. Like, for example, you can take a, a picture at the Vista. Or um, there's some places where you can buy gear or canteens. 
And you get rewarded for arriving first at that location each round because there's extra tokens on it when you start. That's right. So you, the first person to arrive there grabs the extra token. Let's say you go third in a round. It might encourage you to skip the first two spaces if they're already used so that you can get an extra token. Unfortunately, that puts you farther down the board, which means it's rushing you to the end and missing other opportunities. You just choose how far down the trail you can go, but there's no going backward. So once you've gone four spaces forward, those are four spaces you, that particular hiker can visit again. Heck, you can go right to the end of the trail if you want. Probably won't win that way. Right. You won't have. You won't collect enough resources if you try that strategy. I'll have no memories. I'm just speed hiking. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Let me just get through this real quick. I hate hiking. <laughs> you're like looking at your phone the whole time you're hiking. You're just <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. yeah. Or kind of like the Griswold. You're like, yep, yep, this looks good. Okay, let's move on. Right. <laughs> so if you really hate this game, you could skip right to the end and be done with it. Uh, Sort of. <laughs> Yes, but you have to wait for everybody else to finish the round before you can go on. A new trail can't start till everyone reaches the end. And the only one who's forced to speed to the end is the last person on the board. If you're playing with four people, three people have reached the end. Even if you're on the first or second space or third space, you have to jump right to the end then. Yeah, so you got to watch out what the other players are doing because they might force you into skipping a bunch of tiles that you would otherwise be planning on taking. So you can only go as slow as the third slowest player. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is a good mechanic because, it, you know, otherwise the person would just kind of take their sweet time at the end and sweep up everything and have an unfair advantage. Oh, yeah. Go one space at a time and get every single token. Right. You may gain bear instead of suns. What's the bear get you? Okay. Wildlife comes in positive shapes and sizes, but they're simply considered wildlife. They can be used in place of any other token to visit parks or take photos. Oh, they're wild. Oh, that's cute. One thing I really liked about this game was how you laid out the board anew each turn. Yes, you shuffle each trail. That's right. It makes it a different order each round, and it really felt to me like I was going on a new trail. And I liked how compact the board was. Mm -hmm. This malleable, changeable, small board that was just linear as as if you were walking from the beginning to the end of the park felt very relaxing to me. Another neat touch is they add a new random tile each season as well. This game sounds like it's compact enough to bring with you on an actual hike, so you can double hike. It's a small box. Relatively. I live in the city, so it would be nice to pretend I'm on a hike at a tiny little table at Starbucks or something. And Mike, of course, each player has personal goals that they're looking to attain. I needed to get more mountain-based cards, and the more mountain-based places that I visit, I got bonus points at the, the end count. Right, and that was represented by a little card, a hidden victory point card, which Mm -hmm. I love that little mechanic in games when you each have your own personal victory point card. That stays hidden the whole game. Another opportunity for customization that I enjoyed with the gear cards, where you can buy these gear cards, they use up tokens, but they may make some of your later actions more efficient. I noticed Evan and Celeste got these cards that allow them to ignore certain tokens on cards so they can get visit these parks cheaper. And I missed out on that. And I think that would have been a huge advantage. You got to build your engine, even in a hiking game, I guess. There's a little engine building in that way. 
some of these parks required like four sun tokens, but if you had a certain gear, you could reduce that to either three, maybe sometimes two sun tokens, and then you can go ahead and grab that park card. So you're paying these resources to get into the park, is that right? It's almost like what you're packing. See, again, this goes back to the theme being so brilliant in this game and involved in the gameplay itself. To me, it felt like, what am I going to pack today? What kind of advantages can I get on this trail? So that's what it felt like to me. And the art is amazing. They featured the illustration from the 59 Parks print series. Yes, the 59 Parks print series is gorgeous. And what a great idea. And it reminded me of the game Modern Art, which used real artists' work that already existed in the world as art and employed it in the game form. I love that. And for those who really love the National Park Service, a percentage of the sales is donated to them. Oh, so it's a good cause as well. So so Henry Autobahn is the designer, and that name should sound familiar to anybody who likes hiking or being in the outdoors. Or birds. Uh, or birds, yeah. Birds, <laughs> yep, the Audubon yeah. Society. The Audubon Society, yep. Now, we couldn't confirm that he's related to that family, but it would be a weird coincidence if he wasn't. I know for me, it gave me a hankering to go visit a national park. (laughs) Uh, I mean, that is something that has been really lacking in my life since the kids were born, but they're just about old enough now to start going. And if anyone out there has fourth graders in the family, Obama, I believe, started a campaign called Every Kid in a Park. And if you go to everykidoutdoors.gov, any fourth graders get into all national parks for free and they can get their own pass. So if you have fourth graders in your family, they get in for free. So might be a fun inspiration for you to get get out there and see them. Cool. Okay, everybody. It's time to dig up or bury parks. Evan? This game is well-designed. It has great artwork and lots of paths to victory, which means replayability is strong. I'll be visiting parks again soon. Dig it up. Ed? It's a light strategy game with great art and wonderful components. I'll dig this up for another visit. This is one of the best themed games I've seen this year. I thoroughly enjoyed the story of Parks. And the gameplay was great, too. Dig it up. Ed, where can you find Parks? Parks is available at local and online game stores. Retail for about $50. If you have thoughts about Parks, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear about your adventures in Parks. Our last game up this week is Quelf, designed by Rob Ernest, Jeremy Pfeiffer, and Matthew Rivaldi, published by Spin Master Games in 2005, number of players 3 to 8, ages 12 and up, playtime 60 minutes. Okay, when we were surprised to unwrap this game from Secret Santa, what were our first thoughts? Evan? Quelf is a combination of two words, queen and elf. Maybe. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Ed? This looks suspiciously like a trivia game. I feel like I'm going to quelf. Mike? By the name, I have a feeling the mischief of the Fae will be a factor here. (laughs) Don't we wish? (laughs) Way too much credit. So optimistic. (laughs) Okay, trivia and physical challenges. I worry how violent this game might get. But before we throw down on this review, Evan, tell us how it's played. In Quelf... Players must obey the card to answer hilarious trivia, perform ridiculous stunts, or follow silly rules as they race their way to the finish line. 
On your turn, roll the die, move, and draw a card matching the space on which you landed. Categories include stunts, showbiz, quizzle, rules, and scatterbrains. <laughs> the first player to end their turn at the finish line wins. <laughs> and yes, the letter Z is in all of those categories. Prominently displayed in the rules. And I have never seen so many words in all caps in yeah. a rule book before. Ooh. Well, I'm talking about in the context of a paragraph. I mean, they definitely were going for humor here. I mean, it was fun to watch Ed not willing to sacrifice his dignity in the first turn. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. When they told him to try to do a split, and he said it was too dangerous to do. It's not even worth attempting. I'll just take the minus two points and call it a day. Wow. Yeah. That's that's something. See, dignity. There is a safety rule that you can fall back on. If you think the stunt is too difficult or challenging, you can call the safety rule. Mm-hmm. So you could, I suppose, safety your way out of this whole game. Suppose with a Z. <laughs> suppose <laughs> yeah i'm sorry this trivia question is not safe for me i'm moving on <laughs> it's a great role to have in there that you should mind your safety but it's also pretty arbitrary oh it's, i mean the game is arbitrary yes <laughs> that matches the entire feel of the game arbitrariness yeah i'll give it that the unpredictability factor was high that's something that's one of the tagline they wanted it to be the unpredictable party game it's definitely unpredictable. And they're trying to get people to do silly stuff, and that's funny. Like Ed doing a split. Hilarious. That would be hilarious to everyone else but me. <laughs> or me having to point at everyone I speak to or address, and if I don't, I get negative points. Yeah, that falls under the rules category. It is very hard for Evan to be rude, especially when <laughs> sitting at a table, you know? So the fact that he had to point at everybody as one of his uh, requirements was really difficult. That was fun. It is fun to watch people squirm a little bit. Yeah. I, mean, yeah, a I called bit. out Evan twice in like 10 seconds on that. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and as you were calling me out in my brain, I was like, Evan, you just violated the rule. You're about to go backwards. Yep. Oh. The good thing it has a little bit of fun in there because the base mechanics are pretty bland. It's a dice race game. With penalties for failing. Yeah, it's a horse race with penalties. Well, it's actually a little bit worse than that because, yes, you roll dice to move forward on a board, which is always problematic with trivia games. You could be very good at trivia and still roll way worse than anybody else and be messed up. Also, this game doesn't let you go ahead when you get it right. It just keeps you from going backward when -hmm. you get things right. So that, that that's yeah. kind of rough. Or sometimes it's uh, not even an opportunity for you to go forward or backward anymore, but it just gives all your opponents an ability to go forward on your turn. Oh, that's right. Remember I that? I kind of like that, actually, the piggybacking. So you could piggyback on a card with a special rule at the bottom sometimes that would come up. Anybody else who assists you in the card gets points. Mm-hmm. So you are basically just surviving the cards while they are gaining advantage. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Mike, somehow you drew that card. <laughs> oh, man. It does have the benefit of involving the rest of the players in the game, at least. I agree. It encourages that. involvement. That is one good thing this game does right, is it, it keeping everybody semi-engaged. So, guys, why the name Quelf? Is this the worst named game we've ever played? Uh, it doesn't inform you about what the game's going to be about, that's for sure. It is the most nondescript name. 
Yeah, it, it's bad. I'll give you that. I don't know about the worst. I mean, they have to compete with the game. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <laughs> the one thing Quelf does right is you type in Quelf to Google and you will get this game. True. It's Google smart. Um, but who cares? Why would you look this game up on Google? For, well, for one reason is to find out why it's named Quelf. Right, that that's the only reason. It's not it's not <laughs> like the word actually exists and you're trying to figure out what it is. There's no impetus to go and figure out what Quelf is otherwise, <laughs> unless you're playing the game. That's the only reason. Have you just looked it up on Google and find out why it's called Quelf? I tried. It just refers to the game and there's no explanation. No, but I did see 10 places to buy it, so it's still Google smart. Oh, wow. They're still selling it? Oh, yes. This is a mass market game. Spin Masters is kind of like almost Hasbro. Board game of the year in 2005, though, it says. What? No. Yeah. What? This? Quell? (laughs) I'm just reading it. It did win an award somewhere. There have been many, many reprintings of this game. Uh, One of them comes with very funny meeples to move around the board. It lists here you can play as one of the eight characters. The Platypus. Mr. Lugnut, Super Ninja Monkey, The Dude, <laughs> The Biscuit Farmer, Queen Spatula, and Mrs. Pickle Feather? I mean, I wanted to be Super Ninja Monkey. Where, where was that? They're, they're right here. They have the standees in one of the printed versions. It's an exercise in silliness. That's pretty much what they build themselves as so i can't say they you know lied about their presentation no they they must have made what they set out to make and this game got a lot of coverage when it was new i could honestly see a lot of people liking this game like i I feel like it's silly it's the rules are super simple yeah maybe depends on the crowd yeah you're with they don't ask you to do things that are really awful and embarrassing and stuff like that like some games try to push you into really obnoxious things to have to do mm. but this game is pretty benign in its requests so the card to ask you to play twister with your game buddies was a little off key but okay what? twister with your right foot toss the player to your left with your left foot toss the player to your right uh, really <laughs> And with your right hand, touch any player's knee. And with your left hand, touch any player's ankle. How? So here's what we've learned from this game. Don't Don't land on yellow. (laughs) Yeah, yellow's rough. (laughs) No joke. Yeah, there is physical contact they encourage. There are touching rules in this game, which I think is pretty risky. Risque. Yeah, no, I can see people having fun with this game. It is definitely one of those things where there's not high stakes (laughs) you know winning or losing this game doesn't really matter that much so you're saying the quelf contests at the game conventions are high stakes quelf competitions million dollar quelf tournament (laughs) (laughs) it's on espn the king and queen of quelf (laughs) kingses and queenses (laughs) all right everybody it's time to dig up or bury quelf mike it's a little bit too arbitrary at times, and the dice rolls weigh very heavily on the fact of whether you win or lose. I think some people will have fun with it, but for me, I'm going to have to bury it. Ed? It's a mixed activity game, which I can see has some promise as a party game. But this is one horse I'm not going to bet on. Bury it. Evan? Perhaps if alcohol were a requirement and you made the game <laughs> 21 and over, it could be considered something to dig up. Alas, this one's a bury for me. 
I too would have trouble finding a place for this game among my friends. I have trouble mixing board advancement with a party game, so I'm going to bury it. This was a mass market game that was available everywhere, so it's likely you'll find a copy at a local thrift store like I did for two bucks. But if you want to get it online, they're available for 20 and up. If you have thoughts about Quelf, let us know. We are at Which Game First on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. And that brings us to the end of our show. We look forward to hearing about all the game exploring you've done. Hit us up anywhere on social media, guys. We want to hear from you. And if you want more content from our show, you can get exclusive episodes just for patrons every week. If you go to our website and click on Become a Supporter today. If you get a chance, leave us a rating or review anywhere, guys. Stars, hearts, loves, likes, anything really helps others find the show. Happy gaming, explorers. Party like it's 2020. Happy New Year. Happy Trail. Guelph. <laughs>